Welcome to the Highly Sensitive Person Podcast. A podcast for people who experience the world intensely. Join me on a journey of acceptance of our highly sensitive person traits. Welcome to the HSP Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly. Today, my guest is Andy Mort, the podcaster behind the Gentle Rebel Podcast and his blog, andymort.com. I was on his show recently where we just chatted about what it's like to be an HSP and a podcaster and everything that goes along with that and thought it would be great to have him on my show as well. Even if you aren't a podcaster, I hope you might find this interesting or insightful. Andy, thanks so much for taking the time to be on my show today. It's great to talk to you again. Hello, Kelly. Yeah, it's fantastic to be with you. Thank you for inviting me back on. Thrilled to have you here. I've been a fan of your blog and your podcast for such a long time. We've emailed several times. And uh, it was funny when I was on your show, it was the first time we'd ever actually spoken. You know, it's still via Skype, but um, I, I felt like I kind of already knew you a little bit and almost like we were friends already. So I think that's sort of a HSP thing, that kindred spirit feeling when we meet other HSPs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think we both had that thing of finishing the conversation and then being like, that's the first time we've actually uh, spoken to one another, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's such a nice thing about being yeah. highly sensitive, I think. So first, I wanted to ask you to give a little bit of background and history on your blog and your podcast. When did your podcast start and why did you decide to start a podcast? Well, my podcast started uh, in, well, in one form or another in, I think it was 2002. 10 um wow. when i was more focused on promoting independent music of all things so i was just sort of playing like local bands under the radar sort of artists and songwriters and people um and then i began to kind of uh, talk a little bit in between songs and then started my blog and started exploring certain uh, themes just stuff that i was thinking about more than anything and then over the years touched on certain things that resonated on the kind of well introvert and eventually highly sensitive uh, people topics and then just sort of moved more exclusively in that direction so in its current form uh, although I've just changed the name of the podcast it used to be sheep dressed like wolves the blog was sheep dressed like wolves.com uh, and the podcast was a sheep dressed like wolves podcast um, but I've just changed it, uh, like last, in the last couple of weeks to the Gentle Rebel podcast. Um, because that's a theme that's kind of, I don't know, emerged and something that people keep picking up on over the years as they get in touch with me. That, uh, this thing that I talk about, the Gentle Rebel. I think highly sensitive people are gentle rebels. I think we, we've got a kind of rebellious streak within us, but we're not, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know, we're not, wanting to be confrontational about it but we want to sort of live in in different ways and see the world in different ways to maybe what the norm is and what I write about and what I talk about is along that thread uh, of being gently rebellious I suppose. I like that a lot I, now that you've explained it I like it even more it's like the perfect encapsulation of an HSP is a gentle rebel so yeah I like that. You mentioned that you have a background in music can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, um, always been a songwriter since I can remember and started playing under the name Atlam Schema, which is kind of my, uh, I guess, solo pseudonym. In about 2005, started writing, writing music and, and that kind of stuff on my own. Um, and yeah, just been, a, it's, it's something that's always been a part of the way that I 
I guess, connect with the world, the way that I process the world and, and understand the way that I think about the world, um, had a, a little bit of a break, I guess, um, over the past couple of years from, from doing anything too much with music. But, um, we were in the studio at the beginning of September, recorded a little EP, so five new tracks. Um, and yeah, I've got the bug again and just really enjoying sort of getting, getting that out there and I'll be doing a few gigs at some point. I haven't done a gig since the beginning of 2015. So yeah, just sort of dipping my toes back in the water and it feels quite nice. That's really exciting to have such a wonderful creative outlet like that. And as we all know, HSPs, we really, really need to have some kind of a creative outlet. So you've been podcasting for quite a long time. You said, was it 2010 was around the time you started? I think so. Yeah, it was around then. Okay. So what has kept you going as far as your HSP-related shows? Why do you keep doing it since you've been doing it for so long? Um, it's a very good question because it's one of those <laughs> few things that actually I do keep doing and keep on moving with because... There's a lot of things that I would I would try for a little while and then move on and do something else. But the podcasting has been one of those really real things of longevity for me. And I think about, you know, what what is it that keeps me recording every week? And I think it's the ability to think about the world, especially now I'm I'm into that, the kind of understanding from the perspective, the HSP perspective. It's like I can think about the world and explore those ideas in a way that helps me. And also when I get feedback from, from listeners and um, connect with people who it helps, that is an, an enormous boost because it's, it's like, okay, this is not just for me. It's, it's something that is changing other people's perspectives and changing their own view of themselves and, and all that sort of stuff. So I guess it's a mixture really. It's like the ability to self-reflect and process, but also um, it's just hearing from people and feeling like, yeah, it's worth it. It's definitely worth turning that microphone on and, and talking. Yeah, I totally hear you there. It's a lot of work, especially the interviews for me take me so many, there's so many hours behind the scenes that people probably don't realize. And there have been times where I'm like, do I want to keep doing this? Like, do I have the time to do this? It's so much, such a chunk out of my life. But then you do get the positive feedback. And let's be honest, you know, we like, people like to get positive feedback. It feels really good. And when yeah. people tell you that you've made a difference or help them realize something, it, you don't want to stop. It That's feels it. like you'd yeah. be giving something up. Mm, I think there's al also, for me, the fact that I listen to a lot of other podcasts and I know the kind of power and the impact that podcasts can have on my own life. And it's like, it's, there's the kind of unspoken thing that, you know, I've, I very rarely reach out and talk to, like, I rarely send a message to someone whose podcast I listen to, uh, which is something I'm, I'm like, I, I wish I did that more because I would find that really nice if some, if when people do that to me. Um, but I just know that there are people listening who will never talk to me. Um, and I will listen to other podcasts and never talk to a person that actually you, you have quite a, a weirdly intimate relationship with because you're <laughs> carrying them around in your ears and yeah. doing all sorts of things and doing life. And they're there with you during those moments. And you're like, yeah, I can remember listening to certain episodes of certain podcasts. And I can mm -hmm. remember exactly what I was doing when I was listening to those episodes. And it's Same like, here. wow. 
that's impactful it's amazing yeah yeah they actually remind me of different periods of my life too like there was one show i used to listen to a ton a few years ago and when i think of that period of my life i or when i think of that podcast i remember that period in my life yeah it's yeah. kind of like an odor like when you smell a certain perfume you remember the person who wore it or the time exactly in your life. yeah with um fragrances with odors it there's I, was, I remember reading something that said the power of smell is more powerful than uh the power of like looking at a photograph in terms of memory oh, really? um and that actually it stimulates something in your brain that is profoundly brings you to that memory in a with more clarity than even if you were to look at a photograph which is yeah, yeah i think there's probably something similar with with sound as well because I remember there was a period of time where I was listening to a specific podcast and it was when I was doing, I used to do like loads of different odd jobs and stuff. And one of them was cleaning and I'd always listen to this one podcast while I was cleaning. And, and it's, it just so tied up with that, with the memory of doing that. You just have to listen to the opening music of the podcast and it's like, whoa, I'm there suddenly, you know. Yeah. And since you brought up positive feedback, I wanted to ask you about negative feedback. Now, inevitably, we all get criticism. It doesn't matter who you are or how amazing your show is or what you do. There's always going to be criticism or negative feedback. And especially mm -hmm. as HSPs, it can be tough to deal with that. So I was wondering if you could talk a little about that. If you've gotten negative feedback, what kind of things did people say? And how did you deal with it? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, as you say, we all get negative feedback. Um, and I think we interpret feedback that's, you know, slightly over the tipping point. It's not necessarily intended to be negative, but we will read it more negative than it, than it actually is. So, I mean, one of the, um, things that I do, if there's something that seems like negative feedback is I'll read it and then I'll say, right, I'm not going to, I'm going to give it some space and then come back and read it, try and be a bit more objective in the way that I read it um, and come back in a few hours or maybe tomorrow or whatever. And usually it's not quite as bad as it, it seems on first reading. Uh, yeah, I've definitely gotten some bad feedback. I think uh, I got one of the most generic hateful feedback comments, I think was go kill yourself. <laughs> oh man. And that's just like, what kind of person, like what state of mind are you in if you're writing this on a blog? Like how could anything I ever say make you that angry? You know what I mean? It just makes me yeah. wonder about that person. And obviously I don't take it personally because it's such well, a weird comment. <laughs> there's negative feedback that's kind of intended to be criticism and maybe sort of direct you in a different way, in a way that they want you to go. And there's that sort of thing, which is just like, you probably haven't actually listened to a yeah. like an episode of the podcast you just right. you know you get off on just telling people to kill themselves so i think what you said is so perfect if anyone out there is struggling with criticism is exactly what you said is give it some time and i have to mm. remind myself that too like i read it and of course instantly i feel like my whole body is kind of like goes on alert like oh my gosh somebody's yeah. criticizing me what do i do or i want to write back because i'm angry or whatever it is I have to give it like a day and then I think so much differently about mm. it. Just thinking about an example similar to what you're saying, negative uh, feedback on, I produced a YouTube video, uh, which was basically a general introduction to the concept of what a highly sensitive person is. Um, and that uh, receives, receives a lot of views still now. I, I did it a couple of years ago, I think. Um, but some of the, I mean, YouTube's notoriously bad yeah. for it, but some of the comments on there are just that you can take them very personally, but I've noticed something I've, I generally don't, um, 
I won't get involved in in comments on it um, because you often see other people slotting in and and kind of responding to the battle for you or <laughs> on behalf of all of us, you know. Yeah, um, because yeah, and because I mean, most of the negative feedback comes from people who haven't watched the video. I think it's called uh, "What Is a Highly Sensitive Person" or something like that. Um, and they've just interpreted what they think the video is going to say based on the title. And so they spout all this stuff off about, you know, oh, you just need to like man up and get over yourself and be less sensitive, blah, 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 blah. blah. And yet clearly, because actually the answer's in the video that that's not what we're talking about with highly sensitive, you know, the trait at all anyway. So it sort of dwells in your mind, doesn't it? Even when you give it that space, it, it's just there. I'll just go about my day and be like, oh, why am I feeling a little bit kind of negative, a little bit down? And it's like, oh, I can trace it back to that, you know, that one word in that email that I read this morning. You, I get it from even stuff that's nothing to do. Like if, if I read a piece of news on a website or something that is something that I'm like, ah, oh, that makes me feel quite sort of sick about the world or something that can have a profound effect as well. And uh, yeah, it's, I often have to think, okay, what am I, why am I feeling like this? I need to kind of filter that. Yeah. You mentioned YouTube. I purposely avoided YouTube. I don't need people criticizing my appearance or my face or whatever. Mm. (laughs) Inevitably, unless you're perfect looking, someone's going to be like, you're ugly or whatever. And I just like, I don't feel like dealing with that. I do put my, the audio of my shows on YouTube, but I just feel like I just have no interest in having my face on YouTube. And just in Mm. general, I don't feel like dealing with the criticism. (laughs) Well, I see. Yeah. (laughs) Funny you should say that because the video I was talking about was, I kind of, it was, it's like a series of drawings that I did to illustrate certain points and you know I can't really draw um so the first when I put it up it was like I've had had a little bit of creative inspiration excuse the awful drawings um but inevitably some of the uh, some of the comments are like you should close down your channel and learn to draw or stop drawing or you know it, it's focused on that rather than anything else the message behind it and yeah it's kind of like and I, I found myself like being really offended by that and I was like, hold on a second. I, I don't pretend to be able to draw. It was just a, you know, a, that's not a personal attack against anything that I aspire to do. So just let go of it, you know. So because you have a blog and a podcast, how do you feel about those two versus each other? Like the different impact that they have or also versus different media like social media. What do you think has the biggest impact for you and or the biggest reach? And what do you like working on more? Um, very good question. I've come to enjoy podcasting more than writing blog posts actually now. Um, I think it used to be the other way around until I kind of, I guess, gained confidence and enjoyed the process of putting them, putting podcasts together, which did take quite a long time. Um, I mean, the first, first episodes that I did back when I was doing the, the music shows, I'd do the little links in between songs and I would, <laughs> I would do about, 10 to 15 takes um, and listen back each time and be like, ah, I sound like an idiot. I need to change something slightly. I mean, you know, and it's that whole thing, isn't it? Of when you hear your own voice and you're like, ah, that's a horrible thing to listen to. Um, But then, yeah, over time you sort of become more, I guess, more confident behind the mic 
um, and more accepting of what comes out, you know, of the speakers. And so, yeah, I, I enjoy I enjoy doing that now. Um, and I think it gives more freedom in terms of being able to say a little bit more, although this is uh, something we discussed, wasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. You know, your ability to do very pithy, short episodes really <laughs> impresses me. And that is something that I really wish I could do. Um, you're very, very good at making a point succinctly. Um, Thank you. Which is what I do with a blog post more than a podcast. Um, but yeah, in terms of the my sort of previous episodes, there are certain blog posts that are more successful than any of the episodes of the podcast um, in terms of attracting, I guess, traffic um, mm-hmm. through search engines and, and that kind of thing. But yeah, the podcast has definitely picked up. In po- I think podcasting generally has. There seems to have been a... Mm-hmm a wider increase in in people listening to podcasts over the past i don't know year or two yeah um and i've noticed that with my own i've seen the the numbers rise i think because of that more than anything yeah i think it's way more mainstream now it used to be kind of this like weird counterculture thing to listen to podcasts and now i feel like pretty much everyone listens to them or yeah at least doesn't think it's weird anymore <laughs> exactly yeah and i guess because a lot of a lot of radio shows, mainstream radio shows now are available to re-listen to uh, as podcasts as well, aren't they? So yeah, it, it's, it has definitely entered the mainstream in a big way. Yeah, I've, I started all of my stuff as my HSP blog way before I had the podcast. And now that I've had the podcast for a while, it's really strange. It's almost like I've started to neglect the blog a little bit. I feel like I get more feedback from the episodes and it's a little more forgiving. Like when you're talking, everything doesn't have to be perfect when I'm writing. Yeah. Obviously, I want things to be a lot better and to be written nicely. So blog posts take such a long time and mm. I don't feel like there's as much feedback. It's just interesting to see how things have shifted. I never thought the podcast would be have as much reach as it does. So yeah. it's kind of incredible. So on, yeah. on that note, if, if there's anyone listening to this who's thinking that they want to start a podcast – what kind of advice would you give to those people? I'd say just sort of do it, <laughs> really. Uh, it's it's something that you can overthink and really get caught in the details, both in terms of the technology of it, you know, what equipment you've got to have to be able to start. You can record literally on a mobile phone. You, yeah. can, you, you can record an episode of a podcast, like on, on my iPhone, I've done audio on that and it's not terrible. I mean, it's not great, but it's not unlistenable. And so, yeah, don't let that get in your way. You know, if you've got no budget, then you'll be able, still be able to start technologically speaking. Um, and also, yeah, in terms of what you're going to talk about, have an idea, you know, but don't get really stressed about mm-hmm. having the perfect like elevator yeah. pitch and, and all that sort of stuff, because it, it just, evolves over time and enjoy the fact that at the beginning nobody will listen um (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i always say like enjoy the obscurity the period of obscurity when you're actually able to you know just explore what it is that you want to say and the way that you're saying it and you can grow at the beginning you you grow it's like um i find when i when i started swimming doing sort of 10 lengths was really really painful but then very quickly, that would, became a lot easier. I could just sort of reel off 40 lengths and it wouldn't be painful after about two weeks. Um, and, and I think the growth of, 
you know, your confidence and, and how you, what you're going to be saying and all that sort of stuff it works in a very similar way. You have a quick uh, trajectory up of just working it all out, working out what you're going to do. You can do that while no one's listening. And that is good because I think you can get bogged down in people are like, oh, you want to be, uh, you know, new and new and noteworthy. You, mm-hmm. You've got to get on that. You've got to, you know, launch in a massive way and yeah. get everybody listening. And it's like, I think that's a really bad idea because you will either just, you're not there yet. You can't, you, you don't have, it's not good enough for that. Or like you'll put everything into those first couple of episodes making them perfect and then you're like how can I keep up with that it's impossible to you know the workload that's required to produce amazing quality is kind of too much to maintain at the beginning Uh, that's some really good advice you know when I wanted to start my podcast I put it off for months and months and months always thinking like well I'm not ready or it's not going to be good enough and finally one day I had bought an okay microphone. I'm like, Kelly, just record a darn episode. Like, who cares? Don't care about anything. It might be horrible. Just sit down and do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And because I kept putting it off because things weren't going to be good enough in my mind. And it ended up being not nearly as horrible as I thought. So if you are thinking of starting one, you just have to sit down and record. And yes, you're going to hate the way your voice sounds. Everyone hates the way their voice sounds. And I would, um, something else I would add is if you want to start a show, think about what your goal is. I think a lot of people just kind of get excited about having a podcast, the the idea Mm. of having a podcast, like, hey, me and a bunch of friends are just going to sit around and talk about movies because we're so funny when we have discussions. (laughs) You know, that's That's so true. Yeah. That's the stereotype of, you know, like a new podcast. And that's fine if it's something fun that you want to do. But if it's something you're taking a little more seriously, think about, where do I want this to go? What is my goal? Am I trying to turn this into a business or is this a supplement to a hobby or a business that I do? Something like that because a lot of yeah. shows just fizzle out, which is fine. But if you don't want to fizzle out, maybe plan a little into the future so it's sustainable to keep it going. Mm, definitely. Yeah. You've got to have a reason, which is more than uh, because oh, I'm, I'm going to start a podcast because I've been told that's what you've, you've got to do now. Yeah. It's like, well, that's not going to last very long if that's your reason for doing it. So that kind of leads me to another topic that's sometimes a little awkward to talk about, and that is money and making money. I think that a lot of listeners of podcasts, even myself, before I started doing it myself, I didn't like the idea of podcasts making money or having ads or asking for money because it seemed inauthentic, which is partly an HSP thing authenticity Mm. is big for us. We like to feel like people are being true and honest and real. Now, of course, I realize that expecting someone to do something for free is just unfair because people need to, or most of the time they need to make money for the work they do and the massive amount of time that they're putting into something. So I don't know why I held that against somebody, but I do run across that nowadays that people get a little irritated when they feel like you're trying to run an ad or make money. And it's like, Mm. man, I got to make money just like you do. And it's just reality. I wish I didn't have to, but I do. So what do you think of all this as far as monetization and what have you done? Well, yeah, I totally identify with, yeah, both the feeling that that way about making money and also, yeah, having people complain if you're if they think that you're 
trying to make money. Yeah, like why aren't you doing this for free? Exactly. And because I mean, I ha- I've I've got a, a day job as well, and I still think it's really important to, I guess, make things sustainable um, with the blog, with the podcast. It, it costs a lot of money to to maintain to just have the infrastructure of a blog and a podcast, you know, from month to month, people don't quite realize that. And, you know, a mailing list as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, you have to pay to keep all those email addresses. Exactly. And I always say, I always think like, uh, you know, when you get unsubscribes after you send out an email blast, (laughs) it's like, oh, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, if you don't want to be on my list, I don't want you. (laughs) You're taking up space that I have to pay for. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Um, So that's nice. But, uh, well, it's kind of a mixed blessing. But, um, yeah, in terms of, monetization one of the things that i always try and remember is um something uh, danny inney once said when i was interviewing him for um uh, the haven mm-hmm. which my community would talk about in a bit mm-hmm. um he and he said on this topic like business is about um i'm paraphrasing i, I can't remember exactly what he said but it was, it was basically he sees business as a way to make impact sustainable mm-hmm. that really struck me because it was like, yeah, that makes sense. Because actually, when you're paying for something, you're making the thing that you want able to exist mm-hmm. for longer yeah. or sustainably. And actually, you know, when you're if you're paying for a, you know a, a podcast presenter to keep their podcast going, you're that's what you're paying for. You know, you you want want it to exist and you want it to grow and improve. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what you you know that's why it's important. Because as you said no one can kind of just continue creating in a vacuum without being able to fund it and be without making a living and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's really important to, to kind of hold that um, in mind. And in terms of how I've monetized the podcast it, with the podcast itself, um, it's just, I've I created a Patreon uh, page as I know you have as well. Yes. Um, and it's totally non-exclusive, so you don't get anything if you uh, pledge to to give to keep it going. But uh, I mean, what I say is, uh, you just make the the running costs self-sustaining and and all that. And actually, people do, mm-hmm. and and it really really surprises yeah. me, and just <laughs> makes me like this is amazing mm-hmm. because people respond to the podcast even though they have absolutely no reason to whatsoever, and they want to give financially to help. Yeah. keep it going in that way um and so yeah it's only a small amount each month or each episode but it's i don't know i just it just makes me smile every time yeah. i go on there and and hit publish i'm like you guys <laughs> this is amazing <laughs> it is incredible you know. that they just of their own accord like they were just moved enough or felt moved to contribute something financially it really is incredible and touching so you mentioned The Haven a, a few moments ago, so I really wanted to t- chat about that. Anyone who's listened to a lot of my shows, you've probably heard me talk about it before because I have promoted The Haven several times before. And this is Andy's online community for highly sensitive people. I have a lot of people who leave comments or ask me questions about where can they find a community of other HSPs. They just want to f- be around other people like them and ask questions and 
learn more things. So the Haven, mm. in my mind, is the best place to do that. And I believe it's going to be reopening its doors soon from November 4th to 10th. If you happen to be listening to this in a timely fashion, you might catch it in that window. And you can go sign up to be a part of the Haven at my special link at highlysensitiveperson.net slash Haven. But I would love for Andy to, um, if you could tell us a little bit more about the Haven and why it's so great and why people should join. Yeah, well, it's, as you say, a community for highly sensitive people and really was i was inspired to start it because um while there there are resources for highly sensitive people uh out there and on facebook particular because um um, the part of this is it's got a secret facebook group um but i I noticed there's a lot of um it's it's very i don't know it didn't feel doesn't feel safe to kind of just be there to ask questions to to make comments it feels like a, a real risk to do that in certain places so i wanted to create a, a kind of safe community where that could happen and everybody's on the same kind of page and really wanting to support one another um and so that that's a really significant part of what the haven is as well as um i kind of produce weekly content exploring different themes each month basically moving from coping with a an overwhelming a noisy world as a highly sensitive person to a place where we're kind of thriving as highly sensitive people um and and doing what it is that we is kind of you know chiming at our hearts and and the things that we really want to do there's a concept that Laurie Helgo talks about in her book Introvert Power and she says there are often two kinds of introverts there's the shadow dweller and there's the accessible introvert and this is how we respond to the kind of the norm of the world the the extrovert ideal if you will um where it's kind of it values gregariousness and uh being popular and all this sort of stuff and and puts these extrinsic values on how you kind of behave and act as a human and obviously you know as we've as we've said this kind of gentle rebel thing is we we have this ulterior this other way of thinking about the world these these other values that i think many highly sensitive people have but she talks about um the the kind of response to f- kind of feeling like there's something wrong with you as you interact and are orientated to the world in a different way to what might be promoted or accepted kind of inspiring uh, to pushing us towards this where we're shadow dwelling and kind of take ourselves outside of society we're looking in and we're thinking i'm different from that and not getting involved and alienating from the world or the accessible introvert she says is this um this idea of just kind of merging within it and trying to pretend to be like everybody else to to be that thing that you're not and essentially alienating yourself from yourself um and so for me this is a that was a huge concept in, in how I think about what we're doing in the Haven. It's kind of finding another, um, another option. It's to thrive as highly sensitive people in the world. It's not hiding from the world. It's not kind of succumbing to the pressures that you feel from the world. It's finding our own path um, and our own unique way of interacting with the world as highly sensitive people. And I think the best way to do that is in community and, and sort of exploring it together um, so that then we, have a better understanding of ourselves and and what is important to us and the things that we want to do, uh, essentially. That's a roundabout way of explaining it. I think that's a great description of why 
we need a safe place. You don't have to worry about someone and telling you, coming in and saying horrible things to you. If you dare to make it known to the world that you're sensitive and ask questions about it, no one's going to come and criticize you. So it's safe. And then you also have this warm, great feeling of community and other people who understand you, which we all love. Everyone loves that. It's just uh, wonderful. And you've done a great job with it. So I am more than happy to talk about it every time you do open it up a couple times a year. Like I said, between November 4th and 10th, 2016, go to net slash Haven. And you can sign up and try the first month for just a dollar and check it out and see what you think. So there's not really anything to risk. Andy, thanks so much for taking the time to come and chat with me today about everything related to podcasting and having a blog about the HSP world. I really appreciate you sharing your experience. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me on. You can find links to the Gentle Rebels podcast and Andy's social media at the show notes for this episode at highlysensitiveperson.net slash episode 71. While at my website, you can also sign up for the newsletter and be notified of new podcast episodes, blog posts, and interesting HSP news. Thanks so much for listening. (music) 